Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest of our Spoiler Special podcasts dedicated to dissecting in great detail the book of Boba Fett. Oh, and we've reached chapter three. Chapter three, folks, the streets of Mos Espa, in which confirms that Danny Trejo is now part of the Star Wars universe. And that alone warrants two thumbs up. But does the rest of the episode warrant two thumbs up or one thumb up or one thumb down or a combination of thumbs pointed in general different directions? Let's find out with my three biker colleagues of such lethal cunning. They each have a brightly coloured speeder bike to their name. Helen O'Hara is here. (laughs) Hello. Ben Travis is here. Hello. And of course, James Dyer is here. Hi. I, I, I was sure you were going to sigh before you said anything. So that's actually more enthusiasm than I was expecting. <laughs> Woohoo! Get him dead! Get, Get him, him dead! dead. I liked I liked the addition of uh, of Baby Boba again, like where we get we get to see get to see him in his little childhood, his little room on Camino, looking out the window, going dead, dead, hello, dead, put on some jizz. Uh, it's great. That's great. Loved it. I was hoping we wouldn't get into the jizz this week, but there you go. Here we are. So this episode happened. Uh, it is <laughs> chapter three of the book of Boba Fett. Uh, I liked some things about this episode. Uh, I'll mm. be honest. Um, there, there was a fight with a Wookiee. It, it, gave, it, gave, it gives you all the stuff. Like all the stuff yeah. we were talking about yeah. last week. Helen was right. The Tusken Raiders were wiped out. Who saw that coming apart from literally everyone? I feel like I was speaking for the entire world with that. I didn't. I mean, I like to see Tusken Raiders wiped out. It's the sort of stuff that works for me. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I think I gave Attack the Clones five stars, because it has a whole bunch of Tusken Raiders <laughs> being wiped out. Uh, and Because fuck those guys. And no, kidding. They're, they're really lovely. And, um, you know, that's that's fine. But I, I, I was happy when Boba left the Tusken Raiders behind at the beginning of this episode. And I was like, yes, we can move on to a different part of the flashbacks of Boba Fett, but now then he goes back to them and they've all been singed to a crisp. I hope instead of it being the the terrorist faction who draw a sort of tapering cock and balls uh, oh on God. on the wall as their little insignia, I hope instead of that, that it's all Boba's fault that he left the Tuscan toaster on and it burnt down and burnt them all to a crisp. That would be nice. I didn't hate that sequence, you know. I quite like that it was kind of the, not just because it's, you know, toasty sand people, but um, I I like that it was kind of the inversion of the homestead scene, you know, from from Star Wars. That It's like he comes back and sees on Clone Art Brew now, Boba Fett comes back and sees the sand people again, uh, dead in the desert. Yeah. I mean, you'd you'd try an arm, wouldn't you? Would you, though? Would you? Wouldn't you? I would wouldn't not. You, if- I would not try any of that horrible charred he Tuscan meat. That's burned. so bleak, Chris. What, how yeah. have we got here? Also, how he we burned done? the gaffy sticks. And if last week taught us nothing, it's how much effort, time, and energy goes into making fucking gaffy sticks. So, you know, <laughs> I'd have put them on eBay myself. But <laughs> Just grab them and sell them. Yeah, 100%. He could have set up a yeah. gaffy stall in Mos Espa. Absolutely. He'd yeah. been more successful yeah. at that as, than a fucking crime boss. But anyway. I do yeah. feel like Black Chrysanthemum um, maybe watched last week's episode and maybe listened to our podcast because in this mm-hmm. one, we got some flashback stuff and at one point he was just like, fuck this, no more flashbacks, ripped Boba yes. out of the uh, back to tank and was like, no more flashbacks, flashbacks, flashbacks are done for this week. Now we fight. Oh my God, he's he's in the flashback to tank. He is. Oh boy. He is. <laughs> That's flashback what it is. Tank. That's good. Fair play, fair play. Okay, so we've come up with Fetcon and flashback to tank. Okay, write those down. We're going to use those. We're going to we're going to pound those into the dirt. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Absolutely. The next few weeks. Yes, but uh, yeah, so the, the Tusken Raiders were wiped out. Uh, mm-hmm. So point for Helen. Um, uh, we had the fight with the Wookiee, the big bad fight with the Wookiee, mm. uh, or the big fight with the big bad Wookiee, uh, who may not be that big or bad, ultimately. Uh, we, we shall see what happens in future episodes. So it, in, in some ways, this episode was moving on. We didn't have interminable mm. flashbacks. Uh, we had some progress in, in the present day. We had fight scenes. And I liked all that stuff. And then S Club 7 turn up. <sighs> And they start riding motorbikes. Yeah. And I wasn't sure about that. What did you guys think? I mean. I mean. it Look, uh, it was cringe. <laughs> Two people starting with, I mean. <laughs> Can I just chime in with the third, I mean? Because I am in the I mean club okay. on this one. We need to go Star Wars Quadrophenia. That's, that's kind of what I need to ask. There were mods, for fuck's sake. 
it it's so weird to me it's such a and it was so cringy it just didn't it felt like you know hello fellow kids uh, somehow it just felt really really cringy and like you know it, they're trying to do cyberpunk in star wars oh. which instantly i'm not 100 percent sold on but i can see that there's kind of room for it because you do have people wearing kind of cybernetic enhancements but at the same time come on yeah. um the, the colors of the bikes were really out of place massively like just eyesore out of place hover mopeds yeah hover mopeds also and i'm probably going to get shouted down for this maybe not by you lot but certainly on the internet if not there is a place and a time for cgi and a place and a time for practical effects and i think (laughs) this sequence massively massively over relied on practical effects to the detriment of the sequence by losing all sense of speed, they were clearly using, you know, they just wiped out the wheels or whatever they were using on those bikes. So they cornered really badly because someone had thought, well, hang on, if they don't have wheels, they don't need to tip as they corner. But that meant they had to go incredibly slowly around corners, yeah. which just looked horrific. It was the slowest so chase I've ever CG seen. It. it was so slow. And, uh, but when oh. there was CG, it was not good CG it's either. So, uh, this, uh, this was a, but it had to match. You this know? was a deeply bad sequence. This is, for me, the worst Star Wars sequence of anything we've had since Star Wars came back. Um I mean, obviously, to me, the sequels are perfect, and I'm just going to say before James jumps in that I include all of the Rise of Skywalker in the good camp. Uh, but there has been nothing in any of these films or any of these series so far that, as Helen has said, made me kind of cringe, and this mm. made me cringe. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. mind them in terms of like adding another flavor into the mix. Bringing in that like '50s biker gang thing is very George Lucas. It's it's your American graffiti moment and you think of Attack of the Clones and you've got the weird like 50s diner thing. That is an inherent part of the Star Wars universe as created by George Lucas. It's a George Lucasy thing to do the hot rod colours and stuff. But but here, now and like this, just oh it did not work for me. Rubbish. I will say I liked a couple of things about it. I liked that their whole thing was water. I liked that um, he gave them jobs. He instantly got four more people on side. But the, that mm-hmm. scene was not convincing. That scene was not well played, not well thought out. There wasn't a lot of convincing them to come on board. There wasn't a lot of back and forth. Um, and, you know, water <laughs> hasn't been an issue before on Tatooine. It should have been. And we know that, you know, there was moisture farming, but it hasn't been a, an issue before. And I feel like they needed to set that up a little bit more because a well-constructed sci-fi universe would have made an issue of this in the, in the way that Dune does. Dune! Dune! Like, Dune! But like it builds an entire economy around the need to conserve water. It builds an entire culture around the need to conserve yeah. water. There's been none of that. Even among the sand people, there's been very, very little of that. So to suddenly have it be this big deal felt like it came out of nowhere. I mean, look, the, the 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 mod moped thing, like with all that. Do you see the one that had all the little sort of like rearview mirrors down the side, like classic Quadrophenia style? Yeah. It's like, it's just what are you, what are you doing? That sequence was, as you say, deeply embarrassing. The good things, I think, Sophie Thatcher being in it was great. Sophie Thatcher, who is of course in Yellow Jackets at the moment, uh, she plays insert single what's the character's name the character is called Drash. She plays Drash, Drash the biker. Is uh, this and- lady not returning? Huh. <laughs> Indeed, uh, but she's she's in yellow jackets, which is fantastic at the moment. But that was quite fun. But okay, look, my issue is that Boba Fett—it's him and two mates, three mates, in fact, trying to take over Mos Espa. It's not going to work. Now, okay, so he has some employees, but they are at best YTS kind of recruits, you know, and at worst, basically work experience. And it's just that I feel like this does not a crime family make. This is not the Corleone. It's like what what is he still bumblingly inept? And then when you get into this whole sequence, like, can we can we please talk about the mayor's major domo? So David, is it Pasquisi? Is it you pronounce it Pasquisi? Pasquisi? Pasquisi! David Pasquisi plays like the mayor's assistant. Like, he feels to me like he's in a different show. Like genuinely. And I do like sequence, him now. I really like yeah, him. I like he's him, in a fun but show. I think I like him in something else. I don't know that I want him here because it turned into an episode of the Benny Hill show <laughs> where he goes through a door, locks at him, and, then, and he's run out the back and he's got in his car and he's making a getaway and they hop on their bikes. And I was just like, I don't know what's... And then the comedy painting of Jabba that they pull out where it's gone full naked gun and they just crash through the painting. I was just... 
I was just, I don't know what the show is. I don't know what it's trying to be. I'm very, very confused. Do you know the worst thing about that sequence, though? Beyond the very, very slow cars and the, the cringy design of the scooters <laughs> and stuff, the worst thing about it connects to one of my favourite things in this show so far. I was talking just last week about how much I love the music here, but the music they used in that scene in our Tatooine drift, too fast, too furious moment, like drum and bass does not belong in Star Wars. <laughs> and one of the best things that Ludwig Göransson has done in his work on this show doing the themes, but especially on Mando, is making music that feels very, very Star Warsy. that uses the, the strings and the brass that you associate with the John Williams scores, but bringing in his kind of signature electronic stuff, bringing in that kind of... It, he, he does loads of hip-hop beats, and that's where he came from, and, and that he brings that into his music. But but this this like was like this does not belong in this world at all. As much as it's a bit of a stretch having the the fifties shiny biker mod stuff in this corner of Star Wars, having that music in as well, it was just such a hodgepodge. I have a question for you all about the music. And there's this, like, I'm almost talking about this, that he really liked the music in this. You remember how when, when Mandalorian started, like, the iconic nature of that theme, dum dum, you know, all of it, mm. the music, like, you, mm. it got under your skin, you're like, this is amazing. If you pinned me down, if you put me in a pit with eight depressed rancors, <laughs> I swear to fucking Christ, I couldn't hum a single bar of any piece of music from the show right if my life depended on it. I can do it right now. Right now. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, do 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 boom, boom, what? do 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 <laughs> boom, yeah, do, 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 song. do do What is this? Ben's jizzing. Ben's jizzing <laughs> oh, right no. now. Okay. It's jizz. It's jizz. It's Star Wars jizz. Yeah, I think that theme, that, and I guess that's the Ludwig Gorenson theme, I didn't think is bad. And it, and it has what Mando has, which is it brings in those kind of spaghetti Western elements as well, which I think works really well in both shows. But you're right, this, this chase music didn't have any place whatsoever in any of that it I, I, would have been a lot better had they actually just gone for the benny hill music i mean what just had like mando with his trousers around his ankles after a bunch of half-dressed toilet oh girls carry on up the helmet you saved that until you could put your hands on your kazoo didn't you no euphemism extent intended chris hands on her oh, kazoo dear lord jizz everywhere oh, oh no god. I, look oh, god. i i genuinely think the biggest biggest problem i have with this show still is i feel like we're missing essential basic character motivation particularly for Boba Fett, but also for Fennec Shand. Mm. We needed, in episode one, to have a, a, a conversation between the two of them, laying out what they're trying to do and why, why they're working together, why she has any particular loyalty to him beyond he saved her life that one time, which doesn't seem like it would entail long-term service in this universe, frankly. It just it's means like, she yeah. owes a him a life favor. Helen. <laughs> Maybe it's she's not, like, I, I mean, if if so, they've done some work on themselves That's in recent years. Wow. <laughs> the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. But this is it. He's talking, you know, he's trying to give um, Black Chris, Chrysanthemum like, life advice about who he chooses to work for. We haven't seen him have that revelation himself yet. We haven't seen it. It hasn't happened on screen. There's a lot, there's a lot <sighs> still... <laughs> to be established about the show uh, for comparison's sake and listen I liked uh, a lot of stuff about this this episode and I feel like we shouldn't you know just kick the bagger gang uh, we should kick and punt them uh, deep into the, the dune sea and then bury them uh, up to their necks and let the uh, the space crows have at them but there's good stuff in this episode but for comparison's sake I went back and I looked at the equivalent episode in the run of the first season of The Mandalorian and it was The Sin and it was the episode where Mando takes a child to Ferner Herzog you know can I offer you a libation before oh, we sorry, I like you know, that the episode <laughs> I like to see the baby and the, and it all kicks off Amanda walks away from the, the, the baby and then he goes oh no I can't do that because I love the baby because he's like us and he goes back and there's that big fight with all the other bounty hunters and then all of Mando's you know Creed come down and they help him and they swoop from the skies and he's like fucking hell this is amazing this is reconnecting me with Star Wars this is making me re-love Star Wars again and this episode just was eh. mm. it ended yeah. in like eh. 
way, which is, I think, sadly so far indicative of the rest of the show. And Fennec Shand, I just got off the Zoom phone with Ming-Na Wen for this week's regular podcast, interviewing her uh, for the regular podcast. She's an absolute delight. As Ben knows, he interviewed her for the cover feature. Yeah, she was amazing. And... You know, we can't talk too much about what's happened and, you know, what's going to happen. But, you know, I did say, look, Fennec is, you know, she's keeping her, her pants close to her chest. You know, might there be, might she make a play for power down the line? You know, and she was like, well, maybe we shall see what happens. But, you know, that that would be something I think would be quite interesting. At mm. one point during the Black Kersantan fight, mm. whenever he was breaking old man Boba's back, uh, because Boba in this show in the present day anyway, is he's a bit Benny Hill, as as James was saying. When it comes to fighting, he's being bailed out by everyone else, bail organa out by everyone else. But I was waiting for the moment when Fennec Shand would show up to save his ass again, and it wasn't her. Yeah. It was the, the biker kids, first of all, then it was the Gamorrean guards, and then it was her. And I was thinking, oh, hang on a second. Has she engineered this? Is she now trying to work from behind the scenes and take him out? But even then, we need conversations between the two of them. We need to establish why he trusts her and why she, you know, at least claims to be working for him. Because if she turned around right now and went, aha, surprise, I betrayed you, we have no reason to particularly be surprised because we don't have any basis for believing she's particularly attached to him. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I know that they're doing a lot. Look, they are doing a lot with eye contact between them and her looking, you know, quizzical or disapproving or skeptical of lots of decisions he makes. But that's it. There's no conversation afterwards. There's no, you know, regrouping. There's no, do we need to plan? The only scene, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but the only scene so far, the only sequence where we are um, removed from his POV, where he's not in even in the scene, is that moment in the first episode where they get attacked by the the night wind (laughs) and they pop some Rennies and then they they go and chase after the night wind. She She goes, parkour! space parkour and chases after them over the buildings of Mos Espa. Otherwise, we're tethered to his viewpoint the entire time, aren't we? I mean, there hasn't really been a scene where we get her on her own. And, you know, I just think there should be more of her. Like, yeah. we said this right back at the very first episode or the episode we did last week. We said back in the episode we did last week that, you know, there's some kind of there's some more interesting character just slightly behind the character that we're focusing on. And I don't really understand why we haven't got more Fennec Shand. You brought this character back, presumably for a reason. It would be nice to know what that reason is. Yeah, she was really fed up of his shit this week. The the looks that she kept giving him was like, what the fuck are you doing? You're absolutely screwing this up from moment to moment. But at the same time, she doesn't seem to be trying to challenge him on that necessarily and be like, because why did he keep the shit biker gang but then let the big badass Wookiee go. As much as mm. that could be a trap from maybe he's still working for the Huts and there's some kind of um, questioning there of, of their motives and all this, or if they really are just like, fuck this, we're out. This is your problem now. But when he let Black Chrysanthemum go, I was like, wait, you're letting him go, but you're keeping the 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 so little biker crew? What is that about? That I was giving him a Fennec Shand look at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I was genu- I genuinely thought at one point they were going to leave the Wookiee in the Rancor pit and that would be almost as terrifying to anybody they dropped down there. But even so, I thought at least they'd try and recruit him or something because that is an interesting bunch of people at that point, isn't it? I mean, He'd that, have that some muscle then, which is what he's still yeah. sorely lacking. Um, and some swishy hair, um, I noticed in the concept art especially. you know. But I just... I re- I just really, really think we need some actual motivation and the flashbacks are not getting there fast enough to get us engaged in this story. And I'm finding it incredibly frustrating right now. I, I do, I will say, I don't mind him not winning every fight on his own because <laughs> this is in keeping with things I've been saying for 25 years now <laughs> about the shit of, shitness of Boba Fett. So I'm okay with him not being a one-man army in the way that Mando is. Mando in a fight against Black Kerr or Santon would be really interesting because mm. you would, he'd get his, the shit kicked out of him, but you'd, you'd Imagine that he would find a way to improv. Although he's had his ass saved for him by Deus Ex Machinus yeah, all yeah. over the shop, mm. of course. But uh, but I thought it was interesting that Bobo, you know, who essentially is a man in his late fifties by now. In, you know, if we're looking at the timeline of the show, right? Am I right in thinking? Think Are so. we doing this timeline thing again? By the way, oh, oh Jesus, boy. here we go. All right, so 
How far away is Attack of the Clones when he was about 10 from this point? Okay, so it's 20 years between the trilogies? 20 years between Revenge of the Sith. Okay, and it's been five years since Return of the Jedi. And the, f- the original trilogy takes, did we say two years? So that's 27 years since Revenge of the Sith. It all gets very confusing. But anyway, what, what age do we think Boba Fett is in this in his life? And don't forget, of course, he was in the Sarlacc pit for five minutes and I can really do terrible things. Yes, for your skincare regimen. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's kind of like a, an acid, you know, like an acid peel. Like yes. maybe you should have great it's exfoliating. Skin right yeah. Maybe I'm dwelling on the wrong stuff. Here. See, anyway. I, I stand by the comment that I made last time we did this when I said we are basically just watching these guys play with their Star Wars figures. And like, you know, when you used to play with Star Wars figures and your friends when you were kids, uh, and you'd be like, hey, I look, I'm Bob Jabba the Heart. I'm taking over. I am now in charge. I'm the Damio. Pew, 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 pew. This is essentially what's happening here. I'm sure when I played Star Wars figures as a kid, at one point I went, like, I'm Boba Fett and I'm going to ride a Rancor. Bum, 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 bum. And that's essentially what's happening here. He's like, I'm going to ride a Rancor. Of course you are. Yeah, but of I'm course excited. You about that. As soon as they said that yeah. up, I was yeah. like, yeah, it's, like it's going to be Boba Fett riding that, a Rancor. Yes, of great. course that's going to be fun. But also, it is still, it's just people playing with Star Wars figures. So, okay, it's so a couple of questions. First of all, I'm super, super hyped about the Rancor and the Rancor Keeper because the that relationship- The most low-energy Rancor in Star Wars oh. history. Oh. And look, it's a, it's a baby and it's been sedated and it's just <laughs> it's waking up. It's a depressed up. Rancor. It's a depressed, I know. Aren't we all hell. a depressed Rancor but- after the last two years? <laughs> I mean, Come on. Yeah, it's but- I, you know, I, I, I'm on record already, but like, I absolutely adore the relationship between the Rancor Keeper and the Rancor. Yes. It's only a tiny little moment in Return of the Jedi, but it's such a lovely little grace note that the Rancor is killed and the Rancor Keeper is just distraught. And it's lovely because even a big scary monster has somebody who loves him. And so I like that this big scary monster has Danny Trejo to love him. I think <laughs> that's great. Um, uh, and yeah, so my question was... In the Star Wars Holiday Special, is that a Rancor he's riding, Boba Fett, in the animated sequence? I don't think it could be. I don't think they knew what a Rancor was when they did that. No, I guess not. But they didn't really know what Boba Fett was either. No. They still don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't think it was. Wasn't it Dewback? Was he riding a Dewback? I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. But uh, but yeah, the, the idea of the Rancor, I was wondering who was directing this week's episode and then I saw Danny Trejo turn up and I was like, okay, it's Robert <laughs> we, Rodriguez. We know who it is at that point. I mean, that pairing yes. of Danny Trejo and a depressed Rancor is everything I never knew I wanted. <laughs> like the, the fact that that exists in the same episode as the shit biker chase at the end, this is such, the stuff I liked in this episode, I really, really liked. The, the Rancor stuff was great mm. and it was lovely and I loved that that was clearly some kind of big animatronic Rancor that they'd built and it had that physical presence and seeing Boba interact with that and having just taking a couple of minutes to to like bond him to this rancor and, and have that little convo with Danny Trejo where they're like, yeah, he's got big claws and he's kind of scary. I'm talking about the rancor, not Danny Trejo. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a soft boy. He just, he wants to be loved. And, and, and it ties into this whole nice thing that, that as much as, there's a lot happening kind of under the surface that maybe needs to be sharpened at this point in the show. The idea that this Rancor is a kid who's been separated from his parents and Boba connecting with that. The fact that we keep seeing Boba as a kid and Jango Fett's head Mm. having been lopped off. There is a a sort of thematic through line here of, of kids without parents and the sort of lingering trauma of that. So there's a nice little thematic tie in there as well. Um, so I was a big fan of that. And, and and while we're talking about Rancors, I thought what was really interesting this episode was the kind of really obvious setups for another Star Wars spin-off, which um, I think sounds like it's going to be really Chris's thing, which is Star Wars Master Chef and the chef who makes a little Rancor out of meat <laughs> and serves it as part of Boba's banquet. Are we going to go into the kitchen yes. of Jabba's Palace? Who was the chef behind the little meat Rancor? I tell you, I said last week, the cookbook of Boba Fett, I would read that. <laughs> I would absolutely read the shit out of that. You know, maybe a toasted Tuscan Raider. Would you like Ooh, a bit of toasted Tuscan oh Raider, no. anyone? Oh no. Try the leg. Surprisingly juicy. Can I just say, I feel very silly for even suggesting that that was a rancor that, um, that Boba was riding in the Star Wars Holiday Special, because it is, of course, Pars Ichthyodont. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. I mean, I, I should have I known it once. I was going to say that. It's native to Panna Prime. I can't even mm-hmm. believe I mixed them up. So apologies to everyone. 
you've embarrassed yourself and you've embarrassed mm. this show. But yeah. we'll 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 move on. We'll draw a line under it and we'll move on. In uh, the similarly, sand, if you will. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll draw a line in the sand, people, motherfuckers. And uh, we will also mention uh, because several people have written in to uh, point out that uh, when last week someone asked whether Darth Maul might show up, and we were like, oh, maybe he might, he might show up. Who knows? Of course, we forgot temporarily. Um, that Darth Maul is now dead, canonically. He was killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi in an episode of Star Wars Rebels, which, of course, we all know because, all we because we watch that show. Because we watch it religiously. Yes, of course. Oh. I can't believe I forgot that episode. But they could always replace yes. the top half of him with another part of a spider, <laughs> and then he just turns up and he's a spider, and we and just agree a robot spider. that it's Darth Maul. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, we saw the robot spider, specifically the BT-16 perimeter droid uh, at the beginning of this episode, which mm. we first saw in Return of the Jedi. Wandering around Jabba's palace, it's like it's, it looks like a spider robot with a drink. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and we also saw that little, you know, the same cut scene that you have in Jedi as well, where you have the yes. little frog thing eating a, another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's a, a a frog thing eats a bird thing, and then a bigger frog thing eats both of them. And then Is that it? because Lucas couldn't resist, it burps. Of course. Yeah. And listen, I, I, George, I feel you. I feel you. I feel the, the comedic lure of the burp. <laughs> I also love that we saw an R2 unit and a protocol droid. That yes. Was fun. Yeah. What's the name of Matt Berry's uh, droid, please? Do we know his name? ADA, apparently. I, I, he's growing on me a lot because, mm. again, in the, it's, it's, it's not Benny Hill, but he's just fucking funny. <laughs> just like he's just stupid. And there's a bit where he's talking and he just he, he leans round the rancor and you just see him leaning around like, hello. Just as little comedic little kind of funny little face yeah. he's got i thought that was funny but I, I have a question for you guys so i mm-hmm. disappeared what this episode really did make me do is it made me disappear down the rabbit hole of led screens because i i suddenly thought you know because obviously we talked a lot about the led screens which they started using in mandalorian and that was kind of like the the big moment for that technology and I sat down and I watched a half an hour featurette about the technology because I'm a nerd. But it's fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so all the way through this episode, when I rewatched it, it was like it was like I'm just trying to work out what is on location and what is on a soundstage with the LED screens because they're they're 360 degree screens. They're on every wall and the door and the ceiling. It's only the floor that isn't LED. And because of the nature of the lighting, is it can literally make you think they're outside on location. So- I've, I've heard an update on this because I think things have changed Ooh, since the first season of Mando that now what they do, uh, there was an interview with uh, Dave Klein, who's one of the cinematographers on this, uh, on the Fat Man Beyond podcast. That's one of Kevin Smith's podcasts. He used to be Kevin Smith's DP. And so in first season of Mando, the volume was a complete circle with a with a top um and yeah. now it's like an oval wall and it's not completely enclosed because apparently right. the full circle gave you really bad echo so they had to overdub a lot of the first season of mando ah. because they didn't anticipate that when they were shooting so now it's mostly an oval and it's still got a top but that makes it a lot harder to fully replicate natural light stuff so a lot of the outdoor moss esper stuff is on a back lot, basically. It's outdoors and okay. they build stuff. Okay. But well, then the indoor environments, yes. they use the volume. Well, because I remember oh, seeing that Mando scene when they first go and see Werner Herzog, and literally only Werner and the desk are actually there. Everything else in that room is LED. It's mind blowing, isn't which it? Which is fucking yeah, it's nuts. Really incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's genius. But they were talking about so one of the bigger problems, and I, and I wonder whether this is the reason why this technology really debuted with Mandalorian is because obviously green screen. The biggest problem with green screen is bleed that it mm. gives a green cast to things, and because he has mirrored armor, that's a fundamental problem. Like from a post production point of view, that's a nightmare. Whereas the LED stuff completely does away with that. It's massive labor saving and i was watching a thing about how what's genius about it because obviously we've had rear projection for fucking decades do you know what i mean but when they move the camera it's sort of synced to the backdrop so the backdrop perspective moves in relation to the camera giving a parallax effect and again i was nerding out like this is so cool (laughs) i mean a lot of this has been around since Gravity. Gravity did a lot of this already. Really? Since Gravity's been around a long, long time before this, Helen. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Why do I try? Do you know what the latest use of this technology is, though? If you, if you go on the BBC iPlayer, there is a home interiors show called Virtually Home, where uh, people come in and they say, I've got five grand to redecorate my living room, uh, and, and me and my partner or whoever I live with, they have different ideas of what we want to do with it. And they basically use technology like the volume to show them what their rooms would be like so they stand in the middle of the room and show them a vr version um right in front of them of what the room would look like and i I have been watching this sometimes while having my dinner and i'm like 
that's the volume. This is the this is the Mandalorian in full effect on the BBC. Is the show hosted by Werner Herzog behind the desk? It should be. And sadly, it's not. <laughs> this is what your house would look like. The living room, a cold depiction of the existential nothingness that awaits us all. <laughs> also, a fireplace, lovely. <laughs> Hey, one thing I liked in this episode. Okay. Did anyone notice the cameo by Amy Sedaris's Peli Motto and her pit droid? Yes. She was being followed by the three little pit droids at the beginning. Oh, I did not cute. see that at all. Was this during the terrible chase? It was at the, at the same time as, you know, when we saw the stormtrooper heads being put on the spikes, which is from oh, the first yes, season of Mando. Yes, 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 when yes, we yes, first yes. Moved I to do recall that. that was a nice moment. Mm. Yes. So, so that was good. Uh, obviously, we you know we didn't get to see her, but that, that that establishes that she's still alive and she might crop up and she might, who knows, she might help Boba uh, in his quest to do whatever it is that he's doing. <laughs> I mean, we get a little bit more of a sense at the very end of the of this episode of of what is happening now that there is going to be war with the yeah. Pikes. I, I don't tell them your name, Pikes. Uh, like they, it still isn't much but that was something of like oh okay we're nearly halfway through the series now this is what the show is going to be because it has been kind of setting things up i think this is all partly an effect of the fact that last week's episode was so flashback heavy that it didn't really move the present day storyline on at all at least the balancing out of this one meant that it it pushed the present day stuff a, a bit more than the previous episodes have, and at least feels like hopefully this is now the three episodes of table setting done, and that the next four episodes are maybe less meetings in rooms and more fighty fighty stabby in the back, rankle ridey, rankle ridey, rankle meat eating. <laughs> Ian McKellen should absolutely voice the rankle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've, we've we've still got at least one flashback to come, don't we? Because we've got to oh, have yeah. a bit of taking down the biker gang whose bikes he stole, who then killed all his mates. Um, oh, please let us see that. It is so essential. Well, presumably we also need to see... Have we seen it already? I can't remember. I haven't gone back and revisited The Mandalorian Season 2. But did we see how exactly he found Fennec Shand? No. Like why he was in the desert at that point? No. Maybe right. we will. Maybe we will. Because at this point, we've we've gone to huge lengths to see how he got his gaffy stick. So at the very least, there should be some, because at some point you could be like, right, I need my clothes back. And that's presumably mm. the next stage of his quest. But then he would have gone looking for Cobb Fanth, but then realised that... His hair was too good. And his hair was too good, I can't. That consistently worn that yeah. helmet. Yeah. And uh, so then he would have left him alone. So do you think we might see Timothy Oliphant and his incredible hair in this as well? Can but hope. Just, mm, yeah. Fingers crossed. Here's another thing I liked. Stephen Root. Yeah. yeah. Everyone loves Stephen Root. Who doesn't and love Stephen Root? he's clearly going to come back into it, isn't he? He's clearly, mm-hmm. he's behind either, he's going to be either behind an attempt on Boba's life or he is already behind the attempt on Boba's life. Or or he's a minion for the Pikes people. Don't tell me any Pikes. Um, yes, he is going to be that. He is going to be the root of all evil, if you will. Oh, boy. Uh, but there's, there's still so much to do, so much ground to cover. And listen, I do not mind when a show takes the long way around, okay? I don't mind when a show is a slow burn. I'm a huge fan of Breaking Bad, and Breaking Bad took its sweet time sometimes. And Better Call Saul, it's it's prequel slash spin-off. It, every bit as good as Breaking Bad, and it's but it's slow sometimes. But this, but you also get, you, you, you know it's going somewhere, ultimately. And this, sometimes you get a sense that it's not necessarily going anywhere that quickly. But four episodes left. Things might change. Things might change. I did enjoy uh, this week the Hut apologies. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the twins apology where they were like, yeah, we did try and kill you. Uh, sorry about that, I guess. Sorry. Here's a Wookiee <laughs> and a Rancor. But, he, but here's my thing. Here's my thing, right? At that point, he has, yes, he's backed by Fennec Shand and he has the, the biker gang. Why didn't they just try and kill him again? <laughs> He's standing right there. Yeah. Just shoot him. Oh, they. I guess they don't do their own dirty work. They're too busy mopping their brow with that small bird, yes. and uh, and or using a fan if if a lady. Fucking hell, a pink hot hut. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, <laughs> Helen, you are wearing pink right now. I am wearing pink right now. Yeah, but you know, I don't wear pink every day. 
Really? She was really, uh, really? auto tuned this week. She sounded like Cher at one point. It, was, it almost went full believe. <laughs> the difference being Cher can sing when she's not auto tuned as well. I don't believe the hut can sing. There you go. I said it. Um, oh, my God. But yeah, it was yeah, it was odd. I mean, you have to assume that there's, you know, tricks within tricks there and that they, you know, in some way think they've given him a poison pill or set up something to bring him down. But it was it was a bit of an odd scene that from their point of view. Can I ask a question? How did Black Chrysantanda Chrysantanda uh, how did Santander. he get in to the building? I've seen Bubba Fett's front door and it is a motherfucker. Like how exactly did he get in there? Also, that's a really impractical front door. Like you have to open that every time you want to come in and out and it's There's like a, a little big... side door though. Is there though? Like yeah. it feels like they come in and out of that giant great tank door. I just think the whole thing's very impractical. It's it's so far away from Mos Espa. That is that's a terrible not commute. a fun commute. No, it's awful. No, but he's got it for the location, the mountain views and such, and defensibility also. Do you think Kevin MacLeod oversaw the building of that, that fortress? It I feels he, that way. I think, he, I think he would like it. I think that kind of pepper pot construction, I think that would really float his boat. You know, very integrated with the landscape, that the stonework mm-hmm. is clearly mm-hmm. local. I think he'd love it, actually. I want to see an episode yeah. of Virtually Home in Jabba's Palace where they're like, we should probably redecorate, <laughs> make it our own, but Fennec Shand has a different idea of what it should look like to Boba Fett, so then they use the technology of the volume to show them how they could redecorate in different ways, and then they don't have to waste money. They can just pick the design they like. That's a thing. And there's a good thing they're actually into rancors because they've got that rancor pit there. You know, it was just going to waste. So what were they going to do? Turn it into a greenhouse or something? Mm. You know, I feel like that's um, that's kind of <laughs> destiny, home destiny there. Uh, did they just have a rancor knocking around? Did they just, did they order one on It's a bit eBay? of a weird apology, isn't it? We tried to kill you, have a rancor. Like, what? Like, I've yeah. got whiplash from that. A simple, like, we are no longer going to try and kill you. But also, why did they even need to tell him if they're leaving the planet? Why didn't they just go? Mm. Yeah. We're sorry we tried to kill you. Here's something that will make you stronger. And we're leaving. That's not great. And you're going to get killed by the pike people. Well, they they obviously think that they're they're obviously, like, in league with somebody or have, you know, somehow left some trap somewhere for in some trap, presumably, right? I mean, they must have done. Anything else you want to say about this episode before we take some listener questions? I, I, I just had a quick question myself. I, maybe this is an established law thing. The, the Witches of Dathomir. What was that? Yes. yes. Uh, I've met them. Yes, so have I. In, Star, in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Uh, you go to Dathomir. Ah, you do. One of the few games I've played That's in my right. life and completed. I have not finished that game yet. On easy mode. <laughs> yeah, Come on, Chris, I, 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 be I switched honest. it to easy mode because it was fucking Of course brutal. it was an easy mode. Unbelievable. How do you think it was going to complete it otherwise? <laughs> I could barely get it out of the box. So please tell me more about the witches. Well, the witches of Dathomir, there's a planet called Dathomir and it is, it is rich in the dark. <laughs> Sorry. One of them just dropped in. One of them is unhappy. <laughs> they have been summoned. They have <laughs> Ben has angered them. They've taken they've taken out their yes. wrath on Ben. There's a planet called Dathomir, mm-hmm. and in Jedi Fallen Order, you go to Dathomir a couple of times actually, and there you meet the witches of Dathomir, who are a, a sect of witches who um uh, are 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 powerful in the 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 dark arts of the Force. The Night shall sisters. we say? Yes, but right. then they you know kind of one of them turns out to be a goodie, uh, but they have been wiped out years before by a baddie. Who you uh, think is a goodie, but then turn, turns out to be a baddie, even though he's quite obviously oh, a baddie. I played that piece. bit. It's the red planet with all the Darth Maul looking it's guys. Terrifying. Yeah, you it's can, terrifying. It's Zabrax, Ben. The Zabrax. Yes. yes. It is, because it, it turns into like a survival horror game where you'd just be in every five seconds, you'd be attacked by some sort of witch or a zombie thing. And it's like, what the fuck? This is Star Wars. It's for kids. I don't handle my blood pressure. I can't handle it. And then you die. So, yeah. Good to see Thank the witches of Dathmere. I like that. Okay. That was good. All right. Should we have some questions? Sure. At LaPods on Twitter, how did the team feel about the Tuscans being humanised? Fine. Yeah, I, I, I think that's okay. And I think it's probably a, a good thing. Um, it had happened already a little bit. I think you got a little bit of that already in clones. I want to say clones. Isn't, isn't that where Anakin butchers them all yeah. for being murderers? But, but you know, you get to see that they have families and you're, and children me- you're meant to feel... Children who wear the same impractical headwear that the adults do. Yeah, but you're meant to feel bad about them being killed in that. So there's an element of humanisation there, if, if only a very small one. And um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's good as far as it goes. But the fact is that they still don't entirely get beyond the fact that they don't speak any, you know, comprehensible language in this. And I'm not sure that they 
do enough with them to justify then just slaughtering them all again um, to give our hero something to feel. I can understand it perfectly because I am on day 347 of Tuscan on Duolingo and I speak it semi-fluently. Here's another question from Atlas. What is Pops. Tuscan for fridging? <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrifying oh, noise. James, James, they live on a desert planet. If they had a concept of fridging, it it's would be true. a good thing. It's true. So. <laughs> Uh, question two: Could Finnick in any way be plotting against her boss? Yes, Laporte. I, I am think thinking the so. same thing. She's a professional assassin. If she wanted him dead, she'd do it herself. This is very true. He is rubbish. He's yeah, she- rubbish. He is the worst bounty hunter. <laughs> he just wanders around saying, "Oh, dank Ferric, I'm going to recruit some kids off the street." It's like he's just the <laughs> least intimidating man alive, and he's set himself up as Daimyo of Mos Espa. It's like, yeah, whatever, mate. <laughs> he's like Mister Molesley from Downton Abbey. It does feel like he's powered down from that episode of, of Mando season two as well, where he came in and beat the shit out of all the stormtroopers. And now, yeah, I, I mean, Black Chrysanthemum is a pretty formidable foe. I, I thought it was really great seeing a like a full on ferocious Wookiee fight because mm. Chewie's so cuddly, he's such a nice guy. But to see a really like fierce hench Wookiee in full flow was was pretty terrifying. Like I, I understand what when he you say hench was. Um, do you mean he's a hench Wookiee or he's a hench Wookiee? <laughs> He's all kinds of hench. As hench as it gets. I, I mean, in fights with just other people, Boba seems to be overpowered quite a bit at the moment in a way that he he was really on his game back in Mando, which was like, what, two weeks ago in this show? <laughs> I, I do think, I mean, you know, in fairness to him, opposite Black Chrysanthemum, uh, he was, you know, ripped out of bed, basically, in the middle of his nap and was completely bereft of armour or weaponry. So, like, that one I'll semi-allow him. I still feel like Mando, etc., would have, you know, grabbed a weapon or improvised something a bit quicker. But that one isn't so bad as some of the other fights that he's also lost in this show. So, Black Kersantan is played in the show by Kerry Jones, who was credited this week. I don't think he was credited mm-hmm. last week, but he was credited this week uh, as part of the main cast in the end. So that might indicate that we might see him again. Uh, and he is a makeup artist and a special effects uh, dude and also a, an actor. So you'll have oh. seen him in, uh, what else will you have seen him in? Apparently he was in Predators, uh, but mainly he's a, a K&B special effects supervisor who's worked on The Walking Dead and Creepshow and Elite Battle Angel, which might be a Robert Rodriguez connection, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's very interesting. Cool. And also, uh, one thing I liked about Black Kerr Santon in that fight was that he bit the fuck out of people. He did. Mm. Wookiees have got mouths. Mm. Use them. Boba needs to get an, a tetanus injection. Stat. Maybe the Bacta does it. Maybe the Bacta takes the care of it. flashback to tank. Yes, indeed. Oh my God, what flashbacks do you think that Gamorrean guard is having? The Gamorrean guard's put, having, yeah. <laughs> in that tank, he's like, no, I just want to heal. I don't want to relive all my past lives. <laughs> Uncle Gamorrean guard who can recall his past lives. <laughs> yeah. He's thinking back to the time when his best mate was eaten by the Rancor. Just like, oh, no. At Cantona's Ghost, are you happy? I hope you're happy now. Oh, sorry, there's more to the question. Uh, Are you happy with the balance between political discussions and physical interactions between Boba with this band of Padawan punk bikers and Gamora Gamorians? At first, it seemed he was being too easy on the Tatooine underground, but is that simply building to a more violent second half of the series? Like I say, this is just what's doing my nut in. I don't know why he wants to do what he's doing and what his his exact motivations are. And I don't think I'm asking too much to ask for a couple of character-based scenes explaining that, explaining his relationship with Fennec and just sort of setting things up. Even like that dinner scene, you know, you could have had one with the biker gang there tearing into the food because they're clearly starving as well as thirsty and, you know, have a bit of bonding between the whole lot. I just, you Mm. have the the flexibility in the timeline of these shows. You can add an extra two minutes. You can add an extra five minutes. Why the hell aren't they doing that? I just, it's frustrating to me right now. But, you know, maybe all will be explained and it will become clear why they haven't no point done that earlier in the series. At Max underscore Greenland, did we see Ninja Tuscan amongst the dead? If not, will they turn up later on with more Tuscans to aid Boba's war against the Pikes? Don't tell me your name, Pike. Do the stakes seem too small? Surely Jabba controlled more than three territories of a town. 
The Pike's backup arriving consists of around 12 people. Yeah, I wondered about Ninja Tuscan as well, because I think we saw Chief Tuscan's, yeah. you know, staff of office kind of thing, but I didn't think we saw Ninja Tuscan's accoutrement. See, so, I, I wondered if it was Ninja Tuscan's gaffy stick that he was burning, the first one he burned. Yeah, it's really hard to... And then the, the, there was the little stick that presumably was was baby cute Tuscan's little oh, stick, Oh, right? that's what that was. Because I was thinking, I mean, it's quite bleak to see the, the, the kid Tuscan die, but that was the thing that I was kind of looking mm. for in that wreckage. Because again, this whole show being about <laughs> lost kids or kids who have lost parents, it would have made sense for me for that kid to still be around uh, or, or for specifically maybe, maybe. that kid's death to be something that tips Boba over the edge. But I feel like that wasn't made massively clear. But maybe, maybe that was his little stick. Yeah, this is me. This is me speculating. But he, you know, that was a stick that was sort of the shape of the weapons, but a lot smaller. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe that's the kid. This all reminds me of my favorite animated show growing up: Jardan Crispy Ninja Tuscan. Jardan oh. Crispy Ninja Tuscan. <laughs> he was in a burger. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, Desert yum power. yum yum. Desert, desert power. Uh, there was a rumor going around, not a rumor, um, what do you call them? A theory. There was a theory going around last week that I actually had meant to mention in last week's show, but then forgot uh, that Ninja Tuscan mm. might be Fennec Shand. What? What? She might be Fennec Shand, and that's how they met, and that's how they bond, and that's how he knows her, and then she takes off her mask. This is This is a terrible theory maybe but also i think that's probably bullshit it's terrible theory why wouldn't the tuscans speak if they can speak i don't understand if they keep getting massacred and they can you know interact with normal society why would they i mean maybe that's just me being terribly colonialist <sighs> no it's just no no I mean, no. say at some point in this show, Ming-Na Wen is going to open her mouth and elicit those horrible Tuscan screams. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I'm okay without seeing that. Jack Dylan at JD Woo on Twitter. Do you think Black Kerr Santon will come back to be part of Boba's Suicide Squad? Or maybe the Tuscan Raider as well? And someone else wrote in to say, John Crawford, John C666, dun, 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 dun. is anyone excited with the prospect of Bubba riding the Rancor into battle in the final episode, backed up with an army of sand people against the Pikes? I mean, they're all dead, so presumably without the army of sand people, but him on the Rancor, definitely. <laughs> an army of dweeby bikers? Yeah, I, I thought when uh, Black Chrysanthemum was sort of given to them by the Huts. I was looking at them like, oh, he's starting to like get a pretty cool crew, as much as I think the bikes are a bit lame. But you've got Boba, you've got an assassin, you've got a kick-ass Wookiee, you've got some like scuzzy biker punks. He's got a rancor now. That's a, a, a pretty solid little kind of setup that he has. And then he told Black Crescenton to wander off into the desert. Um, but I, mm. he will definitely be back, I'm sure. Last week, that was the character who got their own character poster. You know, they kind of do that each week with the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows. Black Crescenton was the character who uh, who received a poster last time. So I'm sure he will be back in future episodes. I hope so, because he's one of the coolest things about this show so far for me. Yeah. Yeah. Loving Black Crescenton. And if if Ninja Tuscan did survive, then, I mean, she may not survive to the sort of the show's present day. She may survive to go into battle to, um, you know, avenge her people, but not mm -hmm. beyond that, potentially. Yeah. Uh, at Space Panther 99 says, Boba's, <laughs> Boba's Vespa riding urchin gang all must have gone to a school for kids who can't read good and want to learn to do other stuff good too, <laughs> as all of them are really, really, really ridiculously good looking. <laughs> I don't know. The school would need to be at least three times as big to accommodate them all. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah, this is true. This is true. A lot of people are having problems with the uh, the the bike the bike gang. Uh, Saint Wright. Uh, he's not happy with the, uh, the their shiny new hover Vespas. Mm. Why are they the only colorful vehicles in this sandy, dour town? Why do they have smart, trendy, clean clothes? It all felt so much like a YA high school rich kid TV show, Moss Espa 90210. Are the rich kids trying to be bad? Yes. And, and if so, doesn't that take away from the whole water thing? You know, if they, are, if they really are street rats, 
like Aladdin, why do they have these really fancy bikes that they could probably rent out to small children for, you know, a glass of water a go? It doesn't make sense. Also, the shiny bikes in all the different colours reminded me of, um, uh, you know, when they redesigned the Daleks in the Stephen Moffat era after the <laughs> after Russell T Davies brought it all back. Moffat redesigned them, and they were all each a different colour. And it was people called them the iPod Daleks. And now, when I see stuff like this, I'm like, oh, mm. they all look like just different coloured iPods. And they all went to the bike shop on the same day. And one of them was like, I'm getting mine in green. And one of them was like, I'm gonna get the blue one. So they made sure they didn't clash. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I have just ordered the Funko Pops for all four of them, though. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm the one to blame here. Uh, um, We couldn't get through an episode, of course, without having a question from our good old pal, Fal Shopaholic. He only sent one question this week. Okay. Fal, I feel you. I understand. Only one question. (laughs) She said uh, she has a comment. She says she's watching The Expanse, and so she's seeing a parallel in the yes, overpriced Val. water on both shows. Um, stick around on Earth long enough, you'll see a parallel, I think. Uh, anyway, Fal Shopaholic also asks, is Kerr Santon's time in captivity shorter than Novak Djokovic's time in the detention hotel? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he, he just didn't fill in a form correctly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Australians <laughs> didn't have a depressed rancor on hand. It's the importance of getting jabbered. well i don't think we can top that i think that's that's it that's the moment that's it all right uh okay that is it for our (laughs) deep dive into chapter three of the book of boba fett join us next week for more chet pack related fun when hopefully things will really begin to kick on but anyway until then until we meet again until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye for my three colleagues of such lethal cunning and their squad cast names, Oba, Daya, Staines, spelled S-T-A-I-N-S, Ben Travis. Presumably that's what you get when you kill a pike and there's blood everywhere. You can't scrub it off. <laughs> See you next week. That's it. That is it. It is goodbye from depressed rancor. Never has a, a username been more applicable. <laughs> James Dyer. Yeah, I felt seen when I saw that rancor watching the show. <laughs> I think that's what was playing behind his eyes. The, <laughs> Sad, hashtag yeah. sadness in his yeah. eyes. Uh, it is goodbye from Biker Mice from Tatooine, Helen O'Hara. <laughs> I really hope lots of people out there have seen Dad's Army enough to know your the, 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 where your jokes are coming from today, Chris. Anyway, I mean, too all my jokes are coming from the 1950s. So. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Makes sense. Although Dad's Army wasn't 1950s, 70s, was it? It was 1970s, yeah. 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 And in fact, it was set in the 1940s. <laughs> so that was a good bit. <laughs> Quite famously, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. When was that World War II <laughs> sitcom? When did it take place? Uh, anyway, it's goodbye from me as well, S Club Boba. I'm off to take a nice bite out of a jar grilled Tuscan Raider. Give it a go. It's a local delicacy. You might like it. Mmm. Yum. Washed down with a cup of blue milk. Oh, no. <laughs> Washed down with a cup of blue milk. When I said I wanted the uh, Star Wars MasterChef show, this is not what I asked for. No, absolutely not. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. See you next week. Bye. Bye.